Welcome back to all our listeners here at the Sideline Experts. Before we get started today, Mitch and I are doing things slightly differently this week on the Sideline Experts. We're going to get stuck into the first round of the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman in a bit and have a look at those cracking games that we saw this week. But before we do so, we're going to go back to about a week ago in the wake of the Super Rugby AU final. What an absolute belter it was. So before we go any further, without further ado... Please enjoy our review of the Australian Super Rugby season. Mitch, let's get straight into it. The last 48 hours, we've seen Australian rugby in full flight, re-energized and reinvigorated back to its very, very best. Huge audiences, great crowds, brilliant hype and amazing football. What more could you ask for, mate? Mate, you've absolutely smacked the nail on the head. We've seen an absolute carnival of rugby. We've seen a thrilling final played out in Brisbane for the world to see. And honestly, you couldn't have asked for more theatre to cap it off, really. You might not see oh, it on the back page it? of the Career Mail or the Daily Telegraph, and I think we know why just quietly. But seriously, Ned, it I think it, for the first time in ages, it had Queenslanders and sports fans alike talking and hyping up Rugby Union again. I think that as people who no doubt listen to this pod right now will be shaking their, uh, will be nodding along. It's It's been far too long between drinks, mate. And what an amazing final. You're right. It was filled with all the tops and turves of every great game. And obviously the, the bell winner on the 85th minute. Look, I want to jump straight into some of the things about the match that we want to talk about. Like, who really impressed for you, Mitch, and, and stood out? We spoke about this game potentially being a Wallaby selection trial going into the French series in June, July. Who really stood mm. out uh, as a, a next candidate or next cab off the rank for the Wallabies? Mate, I thought a real, real shot was fired by Darcy Swain in there. Um, really? Big shout out. The Brumbies second rower. He, he was a bit of the villain for, for the home crowd yeah, much of was. it. But I thought he made sure he was front and center. And I, I can't remember the exact number, but tackle count wise at the end of the day, it reflected it. His efforts were phenomenal. But also, I think you can't go beyond James O'Connor and Fraser McWright, two people who were obviously yeah. touted um, at the end of the game, but um, had a huge bearing in the end. But what about you, Ned? Who, who for you stood out, mate? No, and you're right. Class shone through in this game. But a couple of guys I really wanted to pick out as, as sort of, they actually didn't step forward as the Wallaby, but they stepped forward as the Wallaby in waiting. And that's Noel Alessio at 10. I thought he was mm. really calm and composed all game for them. And if, if there's someone who's probably going to sit behind Jock, I, I wasn't convinced for a lot of his football in the last 18 months. But that game really brought through his best qualities. When the game steps up in pace, the physicality rises. What he does so well is he carries really strongly. He runs the ball square to the line and distributes when he needs to, but he doesn't overplay his hand. And that's one of his strengths is that he allows the other players in his side to shine, which I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I agree. I Oh, yeah, sorry. I was just going to put it out there whilst you're on the Lessio. There was a good comment by Michael Checker. I rewatched the game just this morning, as you do. And Michael Checker put a good comment about Michael uh, about Lalesio afterwards. He said, coaches like Rennie look for those boys who are, who perform in those big game moments. Sure, it might mean one thing to do well in the round robins, but you're, if you're looking yep. for people to play test match football, you want to see how they perform under the, the biggest lights, the under pressure the biggest cooker. pressure. 
and his kicking was outstanding. Oh, As you he said, was, he squared he really to the good. line beautifully. So, yeah, sh- absolute shout-out. Who else did you have in mind then? Oh, I had Valentini, and I know he got sent off there mm. for a little period, but look, he really has jumped the queue. He, I, I didn't see what everyone else had seen in the last 12 months. But in the last three to four weeks, as you said, as the pressure starting to really build, as the, as the momentum of the games has been influential in the scores, he's really been able to change momentum for the Brumbies, whether it's been a big hit, a big tackle, a bit of energy around the ball. I've been really, really impressed with that. And so I'm, I, I think he's really, look, will, will he be starting in the back row? I don't know. But again, he's that next cab off the rank that, probably that little bit of yeah. depth that we were missing last year. And those guys are sort of pushing through even further. Yeah, absolutely. He drew so many defenders as well, I thought. And, and I think the last thing that that game in talking about what panned out on the field deserves a bit of credit. And I think a lot of people have overlooked this is the line out contest in general between oh. both teams. It had a huge bearing on the game. And whilst a lot Didn't of it? pundits might say scrappy, no, it was two teams who did a hell of a lot of homework and because clean pill was just hard to come by all night, it seemed. And I think it, that manifests most crucially when you look at, I think it was the end of the game where the Reds disrupted the feed from the Brumbies in their 22 and McWright took yep. possession no, you're about, a minute yeah. to go. And I was Huge. about to say so, the same thing, mm. that it is that exact thing. And we'll, we'll move to it in, in a particular moment in a second, just talking about the concept of pressure and, and what a great spectacle that turned the game into. But, you're right. That ex- that exact moment was the game, the the game on the line for the Brumbies. There, the Reds go down into the attacking twenty-two on the right-hand edge. They sort of find a bit of space. They get a turnover. The Brumbies win the penalty, kick the ball out, and you think that's it. That's game over. It's all mm. said and done. And it was the line-out turnovers from the Reds which gave the Brumbies the ball back. And then it was the line-out turnover from the Brumbies which gave the Reds a sniff and ultimately won them the game. So. Yeah. Look, that pressure environment, not only did it make a great contest on the field, Mitch, but what an amazing spectacle that was for the 42,000 people there at Suncorp. But not only that, the broader rugby community really rallied around this game. And it was up about, you know, 250, 300% on the previous fixture last year, Mitch, which is Mm. incredible. Uh, One of the biggest viewed super rugby games since about 2010, 2011 it's really showing that there is some strength starting to redevelop in these games. And a lot of Australians are really connecting to their teams because we know some of those guys that, you know, the local communities, there's a real connection to our, our Reds, our Waratahs, our Brumbies, but ultimately that means the, the Wallabies. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you 100%, mate. And I think a lot of this too, and we got to, and we do it all the time, but the new broadcast deal needs to be credited. Uh, the life it's breathed into the game. I thought the call from Sean Maloney was excellent on the weekend. Cinecam really added that, that spine-tingling touch. And as for the hype you alluded to, mate, I honestly, and I speak for going back a week before the final was even played, yep. haven't seen this much Reds merch in the streets for at least a decade. Yeah, that, it's nice to see that a That says something. Red. People were talking at my work, you know, saying, oh, you're going to the game. I was yep. shopping the other day and some shop assistants were asking their colleagues, oh, you, where are you watching the match tonight? And, and for the first time in ages, I didn't have to think in my head, what sport are they watching? Because I knew what it was. And they, and, <laughs> and they said, yeah, the Reds, are, the Reds are on. So it was awesome. And I, I know I might sound a little overexcited, but when you think about what us rugby fans have had to endure for the best part of a decade and having super rugby and our teams as a whole dismissed as irrelevant by so many one-eyed code supporters. It just makes what played out on Saturday all the better, especially when you factor in the, I think it was what 464,000 
peaked at on nine and jam, and then at least another hundred thousand on stand. You're looking close to six hundred thousand eyeballs, mate. So, Reds fan, Brumbies fan, whatever fan you are, at the end of the day, I think rugby was the undisputed winner, and it's hard not to be happy about that. No, and you're right. And for the game to continue to step up in that next level, we now need to see that transitioned over to the Trans Tasman. And before we move on to that, though, Mitch, what what's worked in Super Rugby? What have you liked? about the concept here in Australia, the Super Rugby AU, whether it's the law changes, the way the game was refed, you know, the standout players, the concept as a whole. What, what has impressed you about this competition? What, you know, what do you like? What don't you like about it going forward? Mate, I, I think it's no surprise to our listeners that I'm, I'm a massive fan of this domestic thing. I talk about tribalism and ensuring our market sees success and it being guaranteed. So for me, I think it'd be a mistake for us to go full tilt at a Tasman full time and just dis- disregard this provincial epicenter that we've developed here. Sure, give it a rebrand. I wouldn't keep the AU. I wouldn't I wouldn't keep the Super Rugby AU. For that matter, I wouldn't keep Super Rugby in the name. Probably go for and call it the NIU or National Rugby Union or whatever. Chuck in the drawer, make it three fixtures a week and then go on to your Tasman. Because we've seen week in, week out, mate, games that are all relevant. You know, you get a full-time Tasman league. You can't guarantee that Aussies are going to tune into Highlanders v Chiefs or for that matter, Rebels versus Highlanders simply because Highlanders aren't necessarily the brand that wins eyeballs and back pages from the casuals. It's we need to be able to ensure that our market is saturated with nothing but relevant content that we can 100% tailor. We've looked at some of the rules that have come out today with the Tasman uh, Super Rugby Trans Tasman for this year. And there's a few areas where clearly both national unions were indecisive. I think they've scrapped Golden Point and Trial together because they couldn't agree on what to go with. And I think that shows if we put all our eggs in that Tasman basket, then that compromises tends to characterize a lot of those joint partnership arrangements. So keep it, mate. We've seen the best, the best possible outcome here. I think it'd be foolish to to move on. What about you, mate? Look, for me, I'd like to keep the way the teams have played the game. They've re- it really has felt like the game started to open up a little bit and the teams have played with a bit more freedom. But what I don't want to keep on the other side of that is the way that we're officiating the game at the moment. And and what I mean by that, I think there's broader guidelines to which the rules apply. And what I mean by that is not every infringement in the game is the equivalent of another and not every infringement in the game also has an impact on the game itself. And what we see at the moment is referees who referee to a rule book and they don't referee to the game. And what that means is you lose ball in play time, which is the thing that we want to see. We want to see our athletes showing off how bloody good they are in at rugby. And I'm just not seeing it enough at the moment, which is a shame. And I want to see it amended going forward. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And I think that's evidence to with some of that decision making we've seen again with those rules that came out today for the Trans Tasman yep. series. It looks like they've scrapped the uh, time limits on restarts and kickoffs, which I, I looked at and I thought, for the life of me, why would any governing body choose to do something which clearly goes against the interests of what spectators want, but also players? But players at the same want time, a game it's that not, is appealing. It's not the clock that's the issue. It's the fatigue factor and the ball being in the field yeah. of play, which is exactly. what's so great. So, yeah. what's, that's what's so great about you know the line dropout concept is we like to it's see a, a, a big boy run at another boy. Like 
That's that's the whole purpose of the game is to keep the ball <laughs> in play. Let's let's see collision. Let's see physicality. Let's see the ball move. Let's not watch, you know, five minute waits for scrums. Let's not watch everyone walk to a liner. Let's not watch, you know, all that time taken in between our breaks at the moment. The game is so good, so good when it's in the field. Let's keep it there and let's focus our energy on that delivery of that product because that's yeah. the product people want to see. People don't want to see a, a 20 to 8 penalty count. They want to see a maximum of 10 penalties a game and the game being free-flowing and open. That's what people want to see. That's what spectators want to see. Yeah, no, definitely a consideration. Whatever it, whatever we go forward with, I think that the fans unequivocally need to be the center of decision-making. Talking Super Rugby AU, yep. if some of our listeners might uh, hark back to episode one where we put our ladder predictions out, mate, yeah. in the order. Uh, sneaky brag here, but uh, strike rate 100%, mate. Yeah, so. you had them. I th- my, bloody, <laughs> my bloody Tars really sent me down a wormhole this year. I was really impressed by them in the preseason, but they've let me down. Hey, Mitch, before we jump across to the Trans-Tasman matches, which are going to be bloody barn belters this coming weekend, let's quickly touch on the Super Rugby Aotearoa Grand Final. Crusaders versus Chiefs. Crusaders, fifth title in a row. What a absolute juggernaut of a franchise. And the Chiefs, up and coming with Warren Gatlin at the helm. Last year, a struggle street they were on, but it just shows a bit of continuity with your coaching staff and your players, and you can really start to develop a good culture and results follow off the back of that. Oh, 100%, mate. I think special mention needs to go out to who I thought were the two best on ground, Will Jordan and Richie Mwanga. The speed of that game, the speed of the tempo they able to uphold in that whole back line, because Will Jordan, despite being a finisher, has a big role in the distribution that the the Crusaders pride themselves on. The speed they maintained for the full 80 was phenomenal. Both teams, but special mentions have to go their way, I reckon. Yep, and I have to agree. On the other side of the coin, Damien McKenzie, as Mm. per usual, is just a freak of nature. (laughs) Um, But you are right, that, that, and we have spoken about this previously, the tempo of the Crusaders is... That's the next step for those Australian franchises to really grow to that sort of level. And they, they, yeah. I'm not talking about a difference between Australia and New Zealand. I'm talking about the Australian teams. And that's that's the best team in the world for rugby. Mm. There's not a team better in the whole entire world than the Crusaders. I don't care what hemisphere you're from. They are the best team in the world. So that's the thing for the, for the next tier for the Australian teams to go up is really understand uh, that tempo piece and how to use it. Okay, Mitch, we're going to jump straight into the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman this week, round one of the competition. It was absolutely brilliant. The games were exactly how we expected, closer than what everybody else had thought. And really, Australian rugby proved that it's still riding with a fight. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Ned. I, 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 I'd like to think that for those people with the context, those people who have watched rugby, support it, they realise that the 5-0 doesn't paint the accurate picture. Not ideal, absolutely not. But, um, I mean, when you think about it, if a full-strength Brumbies team, even the side they put up on the weekend, could have probably got there. You look at some of the other results, like the force could have got there. There's a lot to digest, and obviously we'll get into that context now, I guess. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. The first game of the round had the Highlanders up against the Reds. Reds travelled to uh, to play the Highlanders Dunedin. on yeah to, in Dunedin on Wednesday. They travelled. Uh, they took a reduced squad. A few players who hadn't played in a Super Rugby final joined the side. The likes of 
Isaac Henry making his first cap. Josh Nasser off the bench. Moses Saravi getting a run. Uh, Tuilima getting some minutes as well. So a whole host of new players in that side. But the Highlanders just look too ready and too prepared as they come away as victors, Mitch. Yeah, look, the, I, it's one of those ones that I think the Reds will be looking at thinking tactically the decision to rest probably wasn't helpful. I mean, it looked as though James O'Connor came off at halftime as well. That When you counter that with the fact that Tate McDermott was out, you had Harry Wilson out with concussion, Hunter Paisami. I'm pretty sure, yeah, James O'Connor was the only starting Wallaby. Um, that's a big drop-off from what they were fielding in the Super Rugby AU final the week before. And when you factor mm. in the point that, yes, you had players literally, and we won't divulge to stop drinking on the Monday, um, fly out on the Wednesday, it's it's a big turnaround. And I think a bit of context that's relevant to note here is, and Dave Vessels tweeted this week, that teams touring overseas in Super Rugby historically with a six-day turnaround before have a 35% win rate. So, yeah. yes, the game wasn't clinical. And and whilst there was some form turnaround um, when some of the few Wallabies who were in the 23 went on, um, Reds fans are right to not be happy with that. It's, we needed – Queenslanders needed that win um, to go be a sure thing of finals at the end of this series. But, um, yeah, in saying that, I, I think that moving forward, it's not something that's going to be a real symbol for the rest of this series. Yeah, it was a 21-point gap between the two, but the Highlanders kicked away late, and that did really feel mm. like the Reds' inexperience probably uh, let that game slip away. Now, let's look to the Waratahs who hosted the Hurricanes at the SCG. Look, a lot of great stuff with the ball from both teams as their score ended uh, 64 points to 48 hundred over 110 points scored in this one, Mitch. Obviously, the one thing that both these teams will be working on this week is defense. Yeah, mate, it was it was pretty shocking the defensive aspect of the game. It, like, I, I think we can take away the good thing was that we saw this this raw talent team that is New South Wales that we've spoken about at odds all year, saying they've got the cattle there who can show glimpses, and they did that in attack. So that attacking instinct was there it was a very candid play oriented game but mm-hmm. if we're looking towards next week that the teams are going to have to be a lot more switched on because they'll be punished if the waratahs continue this um this willy-nilly unstructured play that's really not informed all all too much by what's in front of them um as for what panned out on the field i think some standouts and i don't know if you would agree here ned i think it was good to see Jack Maddox back in a bit of form. I think that was my real takeaway from that, that lethal try, but yeah, not, not the best game if we're looking to assert some Aussie dominance on this series. No, I th- yeah, you're right. There, there were some positive signs though. Like one of the things that the Tars struggled to do in the Australian Super Rugby competition is look good with the ball. They actually looked really, really poor, which was one of the factors that's like was really taking away from the fans, uh, enjoyment of the game is sure they you know weren't great defensively but they were also really poor with the ball whereas at least when they came to the SCG last weekend they they played a bit of footy they threw it around like I continue to be really really impressed with Ben Donaldson um, yeah I think he's he's got some really really strong qualities once he grows into his frame in about a year or two he could be a real bolter for the Wallabies but uh, yeah you're right like the, the set it was really lost in that back five for the Tars, really not fronting up defensively, mm. which is which is a shame because 48 points should be enough to get any team home. 
Look, let's go yeah. to the match of the round, Mitch. It was the Crusaders yeah. against the Brumbies. 31 points to 29 on the Hooter. Noel Alessio <laughs> has the opportunity to take this one to extra time. And look, it felt like the Brumbies were actually the better team. They had a lot of calls go against them in this one. Um, you know, a few little things, some soft tries. It didn't really feel like the Crusaders were the best side in the park, but as they do, they come away with the victory. Yeah, they're the absolute embodiment net of of winning as a habit. And I think mm. the fact, and when you look at it in the context of Brumbies have not won, and the Brumbies are a champion side, have not won in Christchurch since 2000. So 21 years it's been between drinks there. Um, devastating outcome for the Canberrans to come so close. So I think the two players that absolutely will have got, uh, sorry, three, two players, sorry, that uh, Dave Rennie will be absolutely giddy about after their performances mm-hmm. on the weekend is firstly Noel Alessio who was yep. his stepping game was absolutely on his awareness of running when to pass yep. yeah running game was excellent he was terrific but also yeah. I think Tom Banks was outstanding yeah and that was I think no better no better evidence of that was that I think it was 60 minute uh try mm, from absolutely 60 meters out brushed four defenders that's the sort of stuff we want to see and he's been on a bit of form lately but to see him not only capitalizing on opportunities, but creating them in the first place and then finishing them off. That's the, those, that X factor is what breaks games open. And for a, a country such as Australia, where the 15 jump has been a bit of cause for concern of recent, that will no doubt assure the setup. But yeah, in terms of the entire game, I would say you're right, mate. Unlucky not to convert that and at least draw it. Because um, I thought with, and you think about the fact that there was no Nick White, there was no Caden Neville, there were a yep. raft of other Wallabies being rested. You yep. you might think, would a full-strength ACTE team get the job done? There's a good chance they could have. Look, I was, uh, and I know you mentioned it before, but the thing about Noel Alessio that continues to impress me is that composure. And, and what I mean by that is he thinks run first, which not a lot of 5'8s do these days. It's often, should I kick, should I pass? They don't think, well, hell, there's an opportunity in front of me to take the line on. And that's what he does mm. against the best teams. And it's funny, like, as they seem to go up in levels, a lot of players lose that skill. That, that That's originally why they were brought into the setup. But he has really been able to adapt that. And the higher he goes up, the more he switches on that running game. And it really puts his side on the front foot and it squares everyone up because mm. he plays flat and fast, nice and early. And allows yeah. a lot of space for, and exactly right. Tom Banks, he benefits from that work from Nola Lesio early in the game for his try later in the 60th minute, really just playing nice and flat yeah. and fast. I think also another a big testament to this team, and it showed a good blueprint for the other Aussie teams to follow when they take on the Crusaders is the Brumbies did their best to, uh, to set the tempo of the game. We see what the Crusaders were able to do to the Chiefs in that, Aotearoa final where the, the, it was just full bullet a gate tempo and we saw the Brumbies and it's not always attractive to watch I understand that but at every opportunity they slowed the game down they'd talk talk it out until the ref would literally say hey we've got a game to play at scrum time I thought the ref was probably a bit too lenient to Canterbury because I thought that the Brumbies really um, were, were unlucky not to get a few penalties from the um, yep. Crusaders front row backing off a bit at the set so um, yeah, a great game, a devastating result, but there's a, there's a lot that can be taken from that. And the only shame, I guess, for ACT fans is that it could be consequential come the end of the series when you've lost one game, you maybe could have, that's 20% win rate off to the ratio. So definitely a consideration.
Yep. And now as you forge ahead from one brilliant game to probably <laughs> the most disappointing game of the round, the Rebels lose in an absolute bloodbath, 50 points to three against the Blues. Look, we'll touch on the Blues in a second and what a threat they are to this competition, but let's just look at the Rebels here. This is probably, in terms of performances across their life lifespan as a club, dating back to, what, 20, 2011 now, that, that's probably one of the worst performances they have put out on the park. That was abysmal, really, wasn't it, Mitch? Yeah, man, I, I agree. I, it was bloody hard to watch it. And, and it's tough to applaud anything in that, really, because, I mean, not a, not a single try to Melbourne's name there. And, and the worry for me is going into the rest of this series is that it was a first game, first round. So a, a loss like that, not only is it going to be huge in a confidence knock for the, the Melbourne boys, but also when you're looking at the context of this game for the other Aussie teams, a scoreline like that can kind of play Auckland into a bit of form and give them the confidence mm. going into games against the Reds, against the Brumbies, against the Force, to really think, now nah, we've got it in us to to uh, to pile on some points. Um, I thought the Fords were pretty weak up front. They got comprehensively outmuscled, and and I I thought the probably the only shining light was probably that big hit from America Korobedic, but otherwise, mate, it was tough to watch, and you, you saw it was the crowd tended to reflect that it probably if anything um looked reminiscent of what melbourne were like before dave vessels came in and obviously they've just lost their head coach and that's going to be quite consequential but at the end of the day they've got to be doing better than that and and points differential is such a massive thing in the in the whole scheme of this comp so the fact that they're they're down 47 is it's going to be tough to come back from that yeah and i understand obviously coming up against a full strength blues side and you're missing two to three of your best wallabies. But, you know, at, at this level, it's probably not good enough to be be throwing that up. And it, it, it's disappointing because it comes off the back of some some brilliant news this week that they've just announced a multi-million dollar, $100 million uh, high-performance setter for Victorian rugby, which is amazing news. And we'll continue to see the likes of the Jordan Ulysses, Rob Leotas, um, and Hunter Trevor Hosea, even Hunter Paisami's even pushed through their academies and really work their way up. And Melbourne is starting to really become a, a rugby heartland there. So it, it, it's disappointing to come off such positive news this week and have to talk about a performance like that, which is disappointing. And look, I'm just going to touch on a few few names in there. Campbell Magne playing at 12, Stacey Ely at mm. 13, Frank Marnie on the wing. Look, those three mm. in particular got torn to parts by Rico Ioani, Bryce Heem, TJ Fayani, and AJ Lamb. They're all probably yeah. playing a little bit out of position there. There needs to be some changes. I don't know who comes in. I think let's look at some of the shining lights for that group, the Tom Pignesses, but Carter Gordon needs to get some more minutes. There needs to be a change up there to really drive something going forward. Yeah, it's 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 you're absolutely bang on there. And the worry for me is that is this a repeat of that? except albeit without the talent there, but we look at a team that in previous years have started season strong. So we saw that with AU, but then the, the wheels have fallen off as, as the season's gone on. And I, I'd like to think that the rebels are at a point where they should be breaking that cycle. But un, unfortunately it looks like it might be wheels in motion already. Yeah. And in the final game of the round, we had the force play, the runners up of the New Zealand conference, <laughs> the chiefs in what was a 20 point to 19 loss to the force. Look, this is typical force. They fight to the <laughs> dying minute. You know, 
They, they were dominated in a few different areas. They get the penalty try in the 35th. It, it felt like, as we've said all year, that just, you know, that one step, that one little bit of X factor off that win. And it mm. turned out to be that way on uh, Saturday night. Yeah, mate. It was for, for the parts of the game that our listeners were able to see. <laughs> obviously, the stand stream mucking up was not ideal going into this first round. Um, so for the parts I saw, I would actually call it the, the most entertaining game of the round. I thought Kyle Godwin was excellent. It was probably his best game played in Australia since he's come back from Connacht. Yeah, since he's come back from Connacht. So um, that was a huge positive. Richard Kahui, excellent. Um, and, and for the most part, I thought it seemed like two pretty evenly matched teams. The force dominated the tempo game. And obviously the cards were were an influence as well to the Chiefs. But at the end of the day, I I, I think that the force actually might be coming into a bit of stride. They, they lost that qualifying final to the Brumbies. But they've finally got some injuries back. They've got some depth to their squad, some confidence from what they were able to do with the Reds a few weeks ago. Um, this, this, I can definitely see going forward, and we'll obviously get into this, them taking some scalps. If it weren't for that conversion after the after the game missing, which Domingo Miotti often would have kicked, that precise kick any other time, that's a win for the force, and that's a huge scalp. So I think there's a lot to be positive yeah. about in this game, Ned. Absolutely, if you're a force fan. You, you compare that that side that just went up for the Rebels against the Blues against the Western Force side to the Chiefs, doesn't that Force side seem a lot more balanced across the park? You know, there's no, oh. real, mm. no real missing pieces. They all seem to ha- have a common goal there. And, and, and the one thing that you can really define the Force on in the last 12 to 18 months is grit and determination. And it's something that we don't see from the Rebels, but you see it in spades in this side, don't we, Mitchie? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and and I think we've seen those those players we've talked about all year, those Faletti Kaitu, who obviously came on a few weeks yep. ago, uh, Fergus Lee Warner, they have just jumped out of their skins with confidence, um, with more game time. Tim Anstey's been another cracker. Um, there's And even Tom Robertson, since coming from New South Wales to WA, mm, it's breathed a new life into his game. Absolutely. He's, he's probably a lot. He was, I'm pretty sure rugby.com.au said he was the form loose head. He was voted in this, the AU comp this year. So, I mean, the fact that these, there's these players in this environment, which a seems balanced to both have their maturity there, but also to unlock the potential of these youngsters out wide and, and even in the pack um, is, is an awesome testament to the development in such a short period of time being back in the comp. The, the key for them going forward, I guess, becomes how do we make sure that those, those nail biters, uh, how, we can avoid them in the first place where we need to rely on a kick at the end to win it. Mm, I completely agree. Hey, Mitch, before we jump into the second round of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, I just want to remind everyone, Jump on the Instagram, jump on Facebook, uh, connect with us on Twitter. The sideline experts, Mitch does a great job interacting with every single one of you. So if you've got any rugby-related comments, questions, concerns, just want to discuss and have a chat about the great game of rugby, uh, send us a message and we'll happily talk to you before we jump into the second round of the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. Okay, in the second round, Mitch, of the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, we're starting off against the high-flying Hurricanes on Friday night against the Rebels. Look, this one looks pretty dire from the outset. I don't want to go over it too much, but this could be a bit of a bloodbath. 
Yeah, mate. And if if this hurricane seems anything to go by, I don't see them repeating that defensive effort two weeks in a row in Wellington, about as tough an environment to play in in New Zealand with that windy, windy harbour side at, at the caked in there. Um, yeah, the Rebels are going to have to pull something out of the hat here, and it's going to have to be big because, yeah, I don't I don't even know what more to say, mate. That's that's I I'm almost certain of the results. It's just a matter of whether the Rebels can can put up enough fight, and it's it's about muscle showing the smarts to utilize the muscle they've got up front. Yeah, a lot and of these hard. players could. Yeah, exactly. Put a, bit a of lot of these players are being paid. The their pay would tell you that you know they're capable of absolutely putting it to any team, but mm-hmm. I, it just wasn't there last week. And and if they're going up against the Hurricanes, we've seen that they can clearly put points on um, but with a home crowd behind them. Yeah, it's it doesn't look good for Melbourne. No, it's a worry. Let's jump over to HPF Park, the home ground of the Western Force. Should be a packed stadium out there. The mm. Sea of Blue should be out in force. They take on the Highlanders in what is definitely a winnable game for the force and could really uh, set a few eyes over to the West. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. And and when talking about that Red Highlanders game last week, um, I feel like we probably didn't touch enough on the Highlanders. The big one for them is Jonah Nareki, uh, is Nareki. Yeah, he he was outstanding against the Reds. The Force are going to need to stop players like him being unleashed early because the Highlanders look to play a, a real sideline angling in sort of structure. Aaron Smith was playing those angles br- brilliantly with his outside backs. So the Force are going to have to be physical up front. They're going to need to play that tempo game again we saw against the Chiefs. The good thing for them, I guess, is firstly, you've got a Highlanders team flying uh, from Dunedin to Perth. That's a big flight, big turnaround to back up from. Yes. And I also would say generally, we I, I may have given some credence to Aaron Smith and Nareki there before, but but I do think the, the Highlanders weren't great on the weekend. I, I something about them thinks that this could, this is a winnable game for the Force, and I'm actually going to tip them to get there, mate. Yeah, so am I. I'm just the only issue I'm worried about is the Highlanders having the seven day turnaround versus the Force with the six. Mm. Uh, that one day in recovery can actually make quite a big difference. But I'm hoping for the Force in that one. Look, we'll jump over on Saturday, an afternoon game in Eden Park, Blues versus Tars. A lot of points again in this one. Um, he thinks the Blues will probably do them just because of the lack of defense from the Tars. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Ned. Uh, it might be some spirited tries there. And we, as we always see, Eden Park's a really, it's a really light underfoot pitch. It's often spoken about. It's always very conducive to a running game, as many of us long-suffering Wallabies fans are no doubt familiar yeah. with. Um, so if, with a rampant Blues team that have got the confidence of last week, the Tars are going to have to absolutely be on their game and no doubt i think chris whitaker is going to be drilling them all week but I, I don't see them being able to turn their fortunes around unfortunately it's it's tough enough to win against the kiwi team doing it in park is another rascal together look i'm very excited for this next one i think this is my game of the round a little bit of an undercover game the chiefs take on the brumbies Brumbies stay over in new zealand uh they go to waikato in this one so close in the last one, obviously, against the Crusaders. They play the runners-up now. And look, potentially getting one or two players back from injury. But, you know, the opportunity to go on tour like that can sometimes galvanize the squad. And look, if they can get a scalp here, I can really see them going far in this competition, Mitch. Yeah, no, 100%, Ned. I, it's obviously they've got the real... Real rough end of the stick, getting three weeks in a row, opening the comp over in NZ. But 
it firstly they're not going to have to worry about a big travel going going from uh, Christchurch to Waikato. So yep. that's that's something that's not going to be massive for them. Secondly, I think they're going to be very disappointed with that loss. They 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 were good enough to win it. And I think a lot of teams go into their shell, but the culture they've got down in the ACT and, and it was on display after Lilesio missed that kick, the squad were as quick as anything to embrace him. I think that the, that shows firstly strength of spirit in the squad, but also mm. determination to to be elite, to, to win. And I think going into this game, they're not going to accept anything less than a win. I, I think they're going to, go two in a row in in Hamilton this weekend I think they they did a great trick on him before COVID happened I think this is a game that if we can see Banks playing that 10-12 channel which he started to do brilliantly in the last few mm. rounds he does it so well against particularly against a uh, a Chiefs team which the one flaw in their defensive game whilst it can force a lot of errors with their quick line rush uh, defense they're often a bit early to commit to some of those like Anton Leonard Brown in particular he's a phenomenal yeah, player but we often see him yeah he he commits he commits pretty early to to attackers and often mm. whilst he puts the big hits on his 50 50 reads aren't brilliant so if if, if you can see play whether it be Mac Hansen and Tom Wright especially if he plays that roaming role if if Lonergan or White can play and Lalesio can play Banks and Wright into that channel I think they they've got a good chance of taking it. They're just going to have to be certain to do what they did in Christchurch last week, and by that I mean play the tempo game because this Highland, uh, this Chiefs team, they're going to be wary. They got out tempoed by the force last week in terms of who set the pace of the game. They're going to be on their top guard. The Brumbies can't take their foot off the pedal for a second. I completely agree. Look now, let's go to the game everyone wants to see. It's the Super Rugby Australia champs versus New Zealand. Reds take on Crusaders at Suncorp Stadium Saturday night at 7.45, live on 9 Gem. And obviously all these games are on stand. Look, Mitch, this is going to be an absolute belt. I'm hoping for around 30,000, 35,000 there at Suncorp. I'm really excited to see potentially Vunavalu against Sevu Reese. What a mouth-watering clash that'll be. Oh mate, that yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. The the hopefully if they can get a big crowd, that'll be massive. But um, yeah, this is this is a game that is absolutely must win for the Reds. They lose this, it's goodbye to this series. I think the results largely going to um hedge upon who comes back into the squad this week. Will So is probably still a bit touch and go with the concussion. If he's back in, that's massive because they respect him a lot. I I, my, I expect he would. So that's big. Yeah, my Passami's the. Play. Paisami's the one that I think they really need to yeah, come so back I spoke this week. There's him, a lot of conjecture. Spoke to him on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, on Saturday. I'm fairly certain. Look, I got, I could be off, but I got the vibe that he's probably another week away. But oh. knowing him, he'll give himself right up until captain's run on Friday to make that call. So I could oh. be off, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, but I think they're still waiting for some some healing to occur. So I think yeah. it's probably another week away. But again, big out yeah. if that's the case. Yeah, that is a big out because obviously we see the difference between this Reds team when he's there and when he's not. And it, it can be quite large. I thought yep. that um, the the big thing, the Red, one, one of the few positive the Reds showed with their limited strength squad last week was 
the crossfield kick to Vunavalo and you talked about it, what a good matchup he'll be with Sefer Reese. I'd love to see James O'Connor playing him into the game more through those crossfield kicks. We've seen what he did for the Melbourne Storm when they were the aerial raids in the opposition 10-metre zone. Um, that's that's a massive thing here. And the Crusaders will be wary of that. They're an elite team. They pro- they'll be going into this as favourites, but the Reds need to be certain of unlocking every player in their arsenal. And when yeah. you've got Vunavalo on your flanks, that, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I think too that they sort of made a little bit one-dimensional on the weekend with him. Like, I also want to see him with ball in hand because he's such a big fella. Like, he could bully a couple of guys in the opposition side if you just give him a little bit early ball, a little bit of time and space. So, mm. you know, give some variety to the game. Give, yeah. give him a few different opportunities. We know he's an effort player too. So I'm really yeah. hoping he comes in, has a few carries, sniffs around that ruck, um, a little bit digby esque yeah and gets involved nice and early, the, but that the, should be an absolute yeah. belter. The other the other big one for me there too, Ned, is the Fords need to have a big game ahead of them. We There was a great Stan Sport, did an excellent um, program the other night with Michael Checker going through the strengths of the Aussie teams compared to the NZ ones. And he said, mm-hmm. we're actually playing a much tighter game than the Kiwis relative to them, but also compared to what Aussie teams were doing 10 years ago. And what we seems evident after the AU season is that we capitalize best uh, on on the back of a, a team that teams that truck it up the middle. Um, the Kiwis, on the other hand, uh, their ability to convert within I think it was four or five phases from flinging it out wide was quick. So if the Reds want to win this, they're going to have to play the center field game. And I mean they've got the Fords to do it. So the big thing for them will be a utilizing the Tongan Thors, the Seru Urus but also making sure that those those back rowers are on the absolute mark when it comes to shutting down players like Richie Moonga. I mean, no. if him and Will Jordan get into the game yeah. and set the pace, it's good night, Queensland. But yeah. if, if Tongan Thorne can shut them down, then Queensland are a real hand at this. Completely agree. Look, Mitch, before we get going, we've seen a week of our Super Rugby Transitors competition. Who is your grand final picks? And potential champion. Yeah, mate. I'm I'm gonna go with. I think it's gonna be a repeat of last week's game in Christchurch. I think it's gonna be the Crusaders Brumbies. I think the Brumbies have it in them to to go through the rest of this season undefeated with one loss under their belt, and then take on the Crusaders in Christchurch. Probably, it, it's hard not to back the Crusaders at home. So, unfortunately, I'm gonna say that they're, they're probably my favourite to take out the series. But I think it will be a ACT Canterbury final. What about you, Nick? I'm actually going to go for the Ruffy here. I'm going to go Brumby's Blues. I think I saw something in the Blues last week that just, you know what? In previous years, that blue side, which is stacked with potential, would have won that game 30 to 10. And and there was a ruthless edge about them that they went on and they, you know, they kicked on and they really put them to the sword. Um, We saw them lack when it came to the tough stuff in the, Super Rugby out the Royal competition. However, I just just think against the Aussie side, they'll probably just have a little bit too much class um, and and win a few too many games. And and I do think the Reds have the opportunity to pick off the Crusaders. And depending on how they tour and who they play, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Force pick up a scalp at some stage. Yeah, and could that potentially be the Crusaders? Who knows? But I've got the Blues <laughs> and the Brumbies in the final for me. With uh, Mate, it'll definitely be a 
that would be an absolute yin and yang clash. You'd love to see it. So I'd, I'd love to back you there. But before we before we hang up though, Ned, I'd, yep. I'd put out there too. We've obviously spoken about last week's games, spoken about this week's games and listeners might be thinking, these boys are pretty optimistic and and you're absolutely right. We do sound optimistic. It was a game that if we look at on the headlines last week, it was 5-0, not a lot to be to hang your boots on, but but there was enough in those games. There was enough in them to tell me that it, we're not to be dismissed yet. I think that um, we the Aussie teams will be spurred on by the fact that there'll be a lot of people tuning in after the AU season going, oh, let's give rugby another crack. And they'll be thinking, this is an opportunity to really put a set a benchmark to, to really lead Australian rugby into the next World Cup. And I think that in, despite last weekend's results, they've got it in them to edge it out and take some more scalps. So yeah, absolutely verify what we've said, but just in case some of those listeners are probably thinking, gee, they're, they're quite boyish. Um, you know, got to, oh, got to back the boys. That, but that could have been th- three and two, like the, exactly. The, Brum- That's, the Brumbies, yeah, exactly. the Brumbies context have, is so relevant. Yeah. The Brumbies have that Ford Ford pass from the Crusades, which was pretty clearly a Ford pass get overturned. They win that game. The force mm. kick the final kick. They win that game. Yep. The Tars decide to make more than two tackles in a game. They win that game. <laughs> and we're three and two. And everyone's talking about how good Australian rugby is again. So, yeah. look, it is it is like that. And I understand winning is important. And winning is the ruling factor. And, and we haven't won yet. So, as much as we are optimistic, it is only round two. And there is potential to, to come in the future. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, just uh, saying goodbye to everyone. Look, make sure you connect with us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Mitch is doing an amazing job connecting with anybody who wants to have a conversation. So look, all your rugby fans, see us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Sideline experts signing out. Holy tomorrow. Um, yeah, good. Bloody, uh, you beauty.